Heavenly Father, we ask that we would hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us today. We pray that we would hear that invitation to come and to see and to know him. We pray, Father, that you would stir us up to love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First impressions can have a lasting impact. Whether you're going for an interview or you're meeting a blind date or you're being introduced to a friend of a friend. Those first moments, those first impressions uh, will stick long in the memory. For some of you, the first time that you uh, met your future husband or wife uh, sticks with you as you maybe saw them across the room at a dance or you were introduced to them by mutual friends. If you're expecting something like that for Lindsay and me, we knew each other forever. So there's no kind of our eyes met across a room type story. Sorry to disappoint you on that one. But if that's the case, you remember exactly where you were, what you were doing, even what they were wearing, maybe even the perfume that they had on that night. First impressions have a lasting impact. As John sits down to write his gospel, he tells us about the first time that he met Jesus. He remembers it so clearly. He knows where he was. He knows exactly what happened. And he writes it down not to boast, not to say, look how great I was that it happened to me, that I was there that day. John writes it down and tells us so that we can meet Jesus as well. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that John gives us the key to his gospel right at the end. Evidence about Jesus leads to belief in Jesus, which leads to life through Jesus. In our reading this morning, We see how these things fit together as John and others meet Jesus for the first time. It happens over two days and there's a a bit of a pattern in how it all works out. As followers bring other people to meet Jesus. And as they discover just who Jesus is for themselves. But let's launch in at verse 35. And it might be good to have it open in front of you on the service sheet. It's early days in Jesus' ministry. He has just appeared on the scene. And at this moment he has no disciples. He has no followers. He's just on his own. But John the Baptist has disciples. And he's standing with two of them whenever Jesus walks past. 
Now, the way I imagine this is um, thinking about my dad and, and how uh, every morning uh, him and a group of men uh, who have nothing better to do uh, stand about in Dromore Square and um, basically chat about the weather and the football and people that walk past and all sorts of things. I don't know what they get up to. Uh, I think they all enjoy getting away from uh, their wives for an hour or so. But you can imagine the scene. John the Baptist is standing with two of his disciples and Jesus walks past and John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Look. Do you see? He is the Lamb of God. And suddenly John's two disciples walk off. They leave John And they start following Jesus. So how do you think John felt? Was he annoyed? Was he angry? It would be like if um, two of dad's friends saw someone going by and thought, I'll go and talk to him instead. Leaving dad behind. But is it really like that? You see, already in the gospel, already in chapter 1, in verse 7, that we've been told that John the Baptist came to be a witness. To bear witness about the light. And that's what he does here. He has told people about Jesus. He's doing what he was meant to do. Doing what he was made to do. To point people and tell people about Jesus. Now I don't know about you but the sight of two men walking along behind you, following you. It might be a bit of a scary thing. Stalking is a crime these days. And Jesus turns around and it's in verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them. And in the Northern Irish version it would be, what do you want? But he says, what are you seeking? Why are you following me? And so they say that they want to know where he is staying. I don't think it's just that they're nosy about his house. To see what sort of a house he lives in or where he's staying. I think it's more than that. They want to find out about this one that John the Baptist has said is the Lamb of God. They want to get to know him. And so Jesus says that that's okay. Come and you will see. Come and see. It's an open invitation to see Jesus. To get to know Jesus. And it's offered to people who are curious. People who are searching. People who have heard something about Jesus but want to see for themselves. To see if it's really true. That offer was for John and for Andrew that day. But John writes it down. So that we too can hear Jesus saying. Come and see. If you're searching, come 
and see, get to know Jesus, find out about Jesus, meet with him. And so they came and they saw, but it was Jesus who conquered. Look at verse 40. Andrew was one of the two and he went to get his own brother Simon. And look what he says whenever he gets to Simon. Verse 41. We have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ, the anointed, promised king. So he brings Simon to Jesus. Simon who we know better as Peter. Uh, Rocky. That name given to him by Jesus. So do you see how that pattern works? John the Baptist bore witness about Jesus, the Lamb of God. John and Andrew heard the witness and believed it by going and following Jesus. Personal introduction is really important. Friends introducing friends to Jesus. Word of mouth about the word of God. And maybe you think to yourself, well, do you know that would be wonderful, but my friends aren't like that. If I were to mention Jesus to them, they're, they're, they're not going to like it. They're not going to be interested. It's far easier just to keep quiet, to keep my friendship with them. They don't really want to know. So what do we do in that situation? Well you need to hear about Philip and his friend Nathaniel. It's now the next day in verse 43. Jesus is going away from the Jordan. He's heading towards Galilee. And he finds Philip and tells him to follow me. And just as Andrew encounters Jesus and then goes and tells someone else, in his case, his brother. So Philip goes and tells Nathaniel. And again, they say, we have found something. What they have found about Jesus. So Andrew said, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. But Philip says... Verse 45, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This Jesus who Philip has met is the one the whole Old Testament is written about. And pointing towards. It's all about him. This Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth? Huh. You can almost hear Nathaniel's splutter. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Every town and every community seems to have another local town that they don't really think very much of. In Dromore, it might have been Dromara. I don't know where it might be here, but in the new uh, 
super councils, those places seem to have been lumped together. So when a skillet doesn't think very much of Oma. And the feeling's mutual, I believe. Huh. Can anything good come out of there? Nathaniel refuses to believe that anything good could come from Nazareth. He just doesn't want to know. He has written off Jesus before he's even heard about him. He's sceptical. He thinks Philip must be mad to say these things. But how does Philip respond? What is it Philip says? Verse 46. Come and see. Come and see. It's the same phrase that Jesus used. Only this time it's more, you know, even though you don't believe, just give it a try. At least come and prove me wrong. Make sure you're really right that I'm wrong. Somehow it works and Nathaniel comes along. He comes to see. And as Jesus talks to him and calls him an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel wants to know how Jesus knows him. Or knows anything about him. And Jesus shows his divine power. His divine knowledge. Before Philip called you. When you were under the fig tree I saw you. The fact that Jesus knew all about him was enough for him. Look at his response. This is the the sceptic Nathan, the person who was hostile to the fact that Jesus, um, that anything good could come out of Nazareth. Uh, Nathaniel, the one who thought that the only thing good in Nazareth was the road out of it. And yet what does he say? 49, you, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. In his very first minute with Jesus, Nathaniel is brought to know who Jesus is. That he is the Christ, the king, and the son of God. Those very categories that John tells us in chapter 20 and verse 31. Already Nathaniel believes. Already he has been turned around from scepticism to certainty. From doubt to decision. Yet Jesus says that he will see even greater things than these. Look at verse 31. Sorry, verse 51. My notes are wrong. Verse 51, the last verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is pointing back to our first reading, to Genesis 28, where Jacob has this dream of a a ladder Stretching between heaven and earth. With the angels ascending and descending. 
Led Zeppelin might have sung about a lady buying a stairway to heaven. And Neil Sedaka about building a stairway to heaven. But Jesus says that he is the only way from earth to heaven. That he is the only way to get there. When we really get this, when we realise that Jesus is the only way, then we'll be moved to tell people about him and introduce people to Jesus. You see, when we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the King of Israel, the Messiah, the one the whole Old Testament is all about, We'll want to get other people to meet him and know him as well. So who could you speak to this week? You don't have to cross the world to tell someone about Jesus. You can cross the street. You can cross the office. You can cross the living room. John the Baptist, he told his followers the people he was working with. Andrew told his brother, told his family. Philip even told someone who was hostile, someone who didn't want to know. It's not always easy, but it's the right thing to do. So who could you speak to this week? Take a moment to think of one person at work or your family or among your friends or someone you're going to meet this week. You know you'll bump into them in the shop or at home. And resolve to tell them something about Jesus. You could even mention Christianity Explore to them. Bring the postcard home with you and say that you'll come along with them. It might be scary to speak up. It might be costly. But wouldn't it be worthwhile to introduce them to Jesus? To have them share in the blessings that you have yourself. but maybe you're sitting thinking to yourself that you that you don't know Jesus you've been coming to church all your life you know about Jesus but you don't know Jesus you've never taken that opportunity to get to know him you've never been introduced Friends, I'd love to do that with you. Come along on Wednesday night to Christianity Explored in the rectory. Or grab me and ask me for a chat sometime. We can do Christianity Explored one-to-one. We could chat and see what you can do to follow Jesus. Whatever you do 
after this morning. Don't do nothing. Don't walk away without resolving to speak about Jesus or without resolving to get to know Jesus. First impressions, as we heard, can have a lasting impact. Perhaps even today could be the day when you meet Jesus for the very first time or when you introduce someone else to Jesus for the very first time. Whether you're searching and open and and almost there or if you're sceptical and hostile and you're here under duress Take those three words of Jesus and follow them up. Come and see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for John as he wrote down about how he met with Jesus for the very first time. We thank you that he tells us that he has seen Jesus' glory. Father, we pray that each of us gathered here would know that same joy that same wonder that we would take Jesus' word seriously and come and see and come and get to know him for ourselves Father we pray this in Jesus' name Amen